Hello, you're listening to Shut Up and Watch This, episode number 62. I'm Dave. I'm Ashley. And we're a couple in Austin, Texas, getting to know each other better by sharing the must-see movies and guilty pleasures from our past. And those pleasures might be various media properties of one yes. form or another. Audiobooks. <laughs> books on cassette. <laughs> we're doing books on cassette at some point. Uh, Viewmaster slide reels. The Disney tapes of uh, the Jungle Book. Lost Super 8 Kodak Chrome cartridges. Okay, no, we're not. That, that would no. have to be you, not me. Mostly movies and TV. Each week, one of us chooses something yes. for the other person to watch. Well, we watch it together. But one of us is in control. We watch it, and then we unpack it all here for you. I got last week's slot. Mm-hmm. And yes, we are publishing two episodes within a week of each other to catch up. It's because we got behind. Because life. Life. I don't remember what happened. Well, <laughs> the important thing was we, we we do these things for you. We needed to fit in a scary movie, at least one. That's right, yes. Before that uh, October 31st sort of date. Yes. And it was not my turn this time. It was your turn, Ashley's turn. Yes. What did you choose for us? I chose a 1973 horror film, The Wicker Man, cult classic film from 1973, uh, that actually, oddly, I was doing research on this, was released uh, as like the second bill for Don't Look Now, which was a we Halloween probably covered that yeah, two d- years ago. Two years ago. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, um, I chose it because... I love a good 70s horror film. We probably said that when we watched Don't Look Now, but um, particularly a British, you know, uh, 70s horror film. Um, Although Rosemary's Baby. Yeah, that's... Same that's, time period. Same time period. Good stuff. Good stuff. Um, I just love that sort of... It's not... It's not gory. It's not bloody, but there's like this like growing dread... That develops throughout, and and for some reason the 70s horror films were much better at that. We call this Creeping Dread. Yes. You you told me yourself you like (laughs) Creeping Dread. I do like Creeping Dread, you know. it's And it's funny when it shows up in weird places, like um, you expect it in a horror film, although this is kind of a weird horror film. It's very strange. Um, So it's directed by Robin Hardy, and I never did get around to looking up his other credits. um, He was in advertising, oddly. Oh, okay. And it stars Edward Woodward, mm-hmm. The Equalizer, okay. TV's The Equalizer, which I've never seen, but I, I think that we can call him The Equalizer in the same way that we call the guy The Practice. He looks like a 60s British leading man. He looks like just like the guy from... Um... He looks like The Equalizer, although he doesn't have white hair yet. No. So for those... Okay. Okay. And no, the... I was saying he looks like the guy from The Prisoner. They have that oh. same sort of look about them. He does a bit. Yeah. Yeah, and this is just sort a few films. Big-chinned British five dude. years after The Prisoner, yeah. so it's around that same kind of time. And Christopher Lee. Yes, so good. The Magnificent. <laughs> so I feel like we need to... Um, do we... Have you seen this before? I... I, no. Yeah. So we need to tell a little bit about what it's about. Yeah. And then, yeah, do this for me. <laughs> okay. So, We've got a police sergeant. I mean... We have a police sergeant who shows up on this small Scottish island off the coast of Scotland um, called Summer Isle, and um, he is investigating 
the disappearance of a girl named Rowan Morrison, he received an anonymous letter addressed specifically to him um, that this girl was missing. So he comes to the island in order to, you know, find the missing child. And he comes up, you know, across a weird set of people that are... It's slowly revealed that they're involved in some sort of pagan religion. Oh. Like, like it's completely taken over. Like, there's not a church presence there anymore. It's just this pagan religion. Um, and not to mention, you have at least 30 minutes of the film with everybody denying the existence of this girl. Yeah, she, not just that they don't know where she is or that she's... She's or, not from this island. <laughs> we've never heard of her. We've never heard of her. There's no such person. Including her mother. Yeah. And well, and then her mother, like, he has a moment alone with her, what you assume is Rowan's younger sister. And, and the little girl says, Rowan's with the hares in, mm-hmm. the, in the meadow. You know, <laughs> she likes to run around. So they've convinced this little girl that she's a, she's a March Hare or something like that. Um, and he arrives on or about May Day, which is May 1st. It's very convenient. Um, yes. <laughs> but there's a reason for that, as yes. we find out. Um, so, you know, most of the movie is him investigating and coming up against, you know, people. He discovers that they're lying to him about Rowan, and then they say that she's dead, and then he has to do um, uh, whatever unburial is. What is it? Exhum- Exhumation. Exhumation. He, he exhumes the body. Let's go with unburial. Unburial. I think this is a good word. <laughs> Re, re-unburial, um, and discovers that she's not in the casket that they say. There is an, indeed a March Hare there instead. Um, I don't know how much we want to spoil, but essentially it's the... Maybe we don't spoil everything. Yes. <laughs> if it's possible to spoil a movie from 1973. But I didn't know that much about this movie, yeah. so let's leave some of it to... Uh, okay. Some, some of it. Like maybe the ending or the last, yes. the last act or something like that. Well, and, um, and Christopher Lee plays the Lord Summer Isle, who is um, landed gentry, I suppose. Um, and the descendant of the of agronomist the guy, or whatever who started the... Well, he came, he bought the island, like back in the 1860s or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, the the guy's father, grandfather, I'm not Probably sure. Probably grandfather, grandfather or great-grandfather. So Lord Summer Isle is sort of the leader of whatever kind of weird pagan thing they've got going on. And, um, yeah. (laughs) So, um, I mean, I would need to ask you all kinds more about like, when did you see this for the first time? How come, how did this turn up at this time as the one you wanted to watch for Halloween? Yeah. Like, what was so it's i mean i didn't see this when i was a kid um i i saw this probably be a more disturbed person yeah i i think i would have loved it and there was so there was a time like in my teens where i was very like me and my friends from high school were like way into like natural magic and wicca and you know, we read Wicca, Guide for the Solitary Pr- Practitioner, and, like, it was the early days of the internet, so I spent hours online, like, researching on these, like, old geosity sites and, um, you know, that look like, you know, in Buffy the Vampire Slayer when they're researching vampires and there's that, like, weird, like, graphic that has vampire, yeah. you know, on it. It was, like, that kind of site. So we spent, like, 
hours, you know, doing weird, like, teenage magic stuff. Um, <laughs> which which was fun and, and silly and interesting. And um, I still really like a lot of the imagery that, that, that sort of the sort of the green man and sun worship and... Oh, the green man is the name yeah. of the tavern? The, yeah. In this, it's got a terrifying sign outside. It does, it does, yeah. Of a green demon face or something. So this... I mean, like, the the gods that are portrayed in this are sort of an amalgamation of a lot of sort of Northern European and and gods from around the world, but generally Northern European, sort of. But, like, none of them are any, like, one tradition. They're just sort of, like, all of them together, no, you know? No, but what I loved, I think you read <laughs> about the background of the movie, too, and you were talking about the research you used to love to do, yeah. that when they decided they were going to make this movie about pagan yeah. ritual... They actually went and researched all yeah. of it. Like they went back to the Golden Bough by James Fraser, and they looked mm. at all kinds of actual pagan rituals. And they kind of, yeah, like you said, I think they did this kind of amalgamation. So I, I just love this kind of thing. I went through a period. I mean, not after I got through the the teen Wicca stage, but I loved reading about. I read uh, Miss of Avalon, which is fantastic. Like, oh, I've never sort of read gets that. Really, My mom loved that book. Really deep into... I've never read... That's the Arthurian uh, series that I've read. I haven't read The Crystal Cave, which is Mary Stewart's. Um, but this one is... Um, her name escapes me now. That's fine. It's fine. Um, but I just really like the sort of, like, druids and and fairies and magic stuff. Like, all sorts of, you know, English... And Marion Zimmer Bradley. Marion Zimmer Bradley, thank you. Okay. I don't know. I just head. I just always really liked that kind of kind of thing, and and so I liked you know reading about these weird pagan traditions and stuff like that. So anyway, it was it would have been right up my alley, but I first saw it on Netflix when Netflix started just having streaming. So this would have been about. What, oh, like early ten, Netflix ten days? years, ten years ago, okay. or something like that. When the you first know, film that Netflix streamed was the Red Balloon. Interesting, I saw. That I mean, that's the first years one ago. I, I remember, you know, on when Nickelodeon, they were piloting I think. It. Yeah, or Disney Channel, one of those, um, or maybe Turner Classic Movies. But buffering. I, I buffering. just, you know, sometimes you're looking for something fun to watch, and I saw that and. And I just thought it was fascinating. It's it's a really interesting film. I had forgotten about the music. It has really good music. Really fun sort of early 70s folk music. Among um, the many pleasures of, the, yeah. of this movie <laughs> is how completely bonkers it is. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm so what I knew was pagan rituals. Yeah. And it's like folk horror. Mm. I mean, it's, I'm sure it's a kind of a small genre, but yeah. that sort of, there's a pagan horror, folk horror kind of, that's a little niche yeah. subgenre. So I knew that. I knew that when um, Ari Aster's Midsummer came out last year, the year before, that a lot of people were saying, oh, it has its roots in The Wicker Man and that kind of thing. So I still need to see that. That's well, that's what I was going to say, <laughs> is that, you know, pairing a pairing a wine with the meal or something like that. Yeah. Well, it's not quite the same thing, but yeah, you definitely have to see Midsummer after yeah. having seen this. <laughs> and I deeply appreciated seeing this, having seen Midsummer. Having seen Midsummer, yeah. And so we could probably do another episode on Midsummer sometime, and you haven't seen it, so we can't really yeah. get into it. <laughs> but I will say that it was... It shared that sense of 
the shocking and the and the pagan, obviously. Yeah. And that idea of dread and horror in the daylight. Yeah. Among people who might who seem to be a community mm-hmm. who are all of a piece together, you know, as a family or whatever. And that sense of feeling completely unmoored because you as the viewer and, you know, um, Sergeant Howie in the movie have no idea what the rules are. Yeah. And so you never feel safe. You never feel like you're on solid ground in any way. Yeah. You don't know what could happen. <laughs> you don't know what the rules are or how they could be broken or what you're going to find in the end, because you know, you're getting closer and closer to learning more shocking things about in both films. Yeah. And you don't know what it is. And so it's exactly that sense of dread. A lot. I mean, it's that sense of it's fear of the unknown. Yeah. And yet it has that quality of, I, I don't know. There's something sc- really scary about horror movies shot in daylight. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why this movie, like 99% of it is in daylight. I think yeah. you have the arrival, you know, the even the night he arrives and stays at the the um, tavern, the Green Man. Yeah, but most of the movies in daylight. Well, I think that there's a lot of, I mean, this sort of contemporary fear of remote places. You know, so we we watched with with Dave's daughter the other day we watched texas chainsaw massacre which i'd never seen no i'd never seen it but actually like a good percentage of the of the scariest part of the movie actually happens in daylight as well um but it's also similarly like a fear of this like remote place where you the rules that you grew up around don't um don't apply. Well, it's the same kind of thing you get in Deliverance, too, yeah. which I don't think you've seen. But no. where, you know, if you wander a little bit off the track, you end up in, like, hell. Yeah. Like, you, you don't, <laughs> like, it is that sense of the remote. Yeah. In this, in this case, our police sergeant is literally on, like, an island in the Hebrides or something mm-hmm. like that. And he's flown his little hydroplane. Yeah. Um, but at a certain point... Like they've jacked it up so he can't get away, and he he's the only norm. He's the yeah. only muggle or whatever you want to yeah. call it on, <laughs> on this island, and he can't get away. Yeah, and that's really scary. Yeah, it is. I don't think he. You know, it's funny. I don't know he, he, if he quite realizes. I mean, oh, like no. he thinks that that things are weird, but he doesn't quite realize that the rules don't apply to him. It, you know. No, I, it's interesting that you say that because. I, I was thinking of it as, you know, they give us that character, Edward Woodward, the, the police sergeant, as, you know, our viewpoint character. Yeah. Because he knows as little as we do going in. Like, he's the one entering this unknown well, world. Well, isn't that great? But, they keep that, too. Sorry. <laughs> oh, well, hold that thought. Because <laughs> yeah. I want to hear what you want to yeah. say. But I, what, to finish my thought is, um, I think we're more, we're more anxious and afraid than he is yeah he doesn't express a lot of like he express it's a british thing i think yeah but a lot he's and it's a police thing yeah that for him there's more of a sense of moral outrage yeah a lot of the time so that's the disconnect between me and a viewer as him and his viewer because i'm not freaking about freaking out as much about like the overt sexuality or, or, yeah. or some of the rituals some of the things he sees but they've given us a, a, police, a British police sergeant, 1973, who is also extremely Christian. Um, he's saving himself for marriage, so he's yeah. a virgin. He's ha- he's engaged, but um, you know he's has no sexual experience. And um, I mean, this all comes into play later on. But 
so he's not a direct one-to-one like viewer audience. I don't think no. I've, I felt much more anxious than I felt like he did. Yeah. He's, he's maintains like, I'm trying to, un- I'm trying like, I'm going to uncover this, you know, you yeah. guys are hiding stuff and I'm going to figure it out. But I don't think he's terrified until too late. Yeah. <laughs> if you want. Well, it's, it's funny. Yeah. They keep that suspense the whole time. Like there's not a whole, like letting the audience in on what's going on ever. Really. I mean, there's like clues throughout that thing. I mean, and that's what builds the tension is you feel like something's Whoa. going on, but like, there's no like reveal that <laughs> like, and, and you know, no, we're me, totally in sync. I with kept him. wondering, like, well, he got this letter from an anonymous person, so there must be someone who's too afraid to say anything, but is on his side. And that was my assumption. Yeah. <laughs> and it wasn't until this afternoon when I was yeah. thinking about the movie again that I was like, "Oh, that's what the letter was." Like, because yeah. I, I I watched the whole film and forgot about the letter that got him there. But at yeah. some point, two thirds of the way through the movie, I was thinking, like, "Well, who wrote that letter?" Well, and he specifically says it was written and addressed to him. It wasn't addressed to his police department. But it was only today that I understood why he got the letter. Because I just didn't backtrack. Because, guys, the ending is so horrifying. (laughs) It's pretty pretty horrifying. You know, after a movie that's like... I mean, like... At some point, you assume they've sacrificed a child. Or that it's some sort of... Some sort of cult that sacrifices a child every year which well, is what the assumption of that's where the, they're how, leading us yeah. because they have uh they have the photographs on the wall of, yeah. of the 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 girl children as the harvest queen yeah right? harvest queen's another midsummer thing that, yeah. that you have to see the connection <laughs> and then the missing there's a missing photograph yeah from the from this past the previous year yeah, yeah. so he's like we're 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 with him we're like doing police work we're yeah. going like that's rowan well Morrison. and he has a scene She's in the dark room which i'm totally all about you know where he finds the last year's um you know yeah uh, negative, and he prints it in the. And I was like, I know exactly what that room smells like. You said <laughs> it that smells when like we were nitrate solution. It. Yeah. <laughs> also, that reminds me of uh, Blow Up, which I got to show you, but we never got to do on the podcast. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, that's. I I don't know. It's it's such an interesting film, and and having only seen it once previously, uh, it was it was kind of a surprise to see it again. And then Christopher Lee is so good in this. <laughs> yeah, and um, I have not seen a lot of his. I mean, I've seen. I don't think I've seen any of his horror, his Hammer horror really? films. I've seen yeah, a bunch. no, I've never seen any of that stuff. Yeah, never seen any of that stuff. But I remember when I was a kid, like I used to check out monster books from the li- <laughs> from the public library when I was like you know eight years old or yeah. whatever. And you'd turn me loose in the library, and we'd get to pick out books and stuff. I would bring back the like famous monsters books, and so I remember the black and white pictures of him and all the like. In the, yeah. like, uh, Dracula movies and stuff like that. He's so, he's so good. Peter Cushing and Christopher Lee. And, but I've never seen any of those horror yeah. uh, Hammer films. Well, of course, he, you know, he, probably most people who have who are not familiar with his earlier work, you know, unless you just love B-horror, which I actually do. Um, I should watch more. I love Italian horror, too. Like, 60s Italian horror I've is never seen all any of that, that stuff. That Mario Bava kind of stuff? Yeah, or? yeah. Like, you know... I've never seen that stuff. They're so good and so beautifully shot, too, like in black and white. Anyway, (laughs) 
But uh, Christopher Lee, um, probably most people know him from the Lord of the Rings Saruman. films. Saruman. And he's yeah. so good in that. Yeah. I mean, like, he's just perfectly cast. And can you top his voice, like, ever? Oh, no. His voice he's is fantastic. He's just got one of those great booming voices. Well, it's, you know, I hadn't seen him... He's so young in, in nor- this movie. Uh, in normal garb, I like, was not prepared. ever, maybe. He's usually wearing robes. I wasn't... <laughs> <laughs> it's true. I wasn't prepared to see him as young as he was in this. Mm-hmm. I had never seen any stills. Yeah. From, I mean, I might have seen a still of... Well, here's the thing. I don't want to go into it because, again, spoilers of a 1973 movie. But I didn't know what the Wicker Man was. Mm. So this, you know, play. This is the last 15 minutes of the movie. But well, you um, know, it's it's interesting because I was familiar with that from another, actually, another Arthurian series that I like a lot, which is um, the Darkish Rising series. So mm, you had me. I read that for the first time. So there are last a lot of um, there's. There's several different places that that series takes place, but one of them is in Wales, um, where they still have some of the old traditions involving sea gods and mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. So I was familiar with with that concept um, from from that series. Um, so if you also check out the Darkest Rising series, the Greenwich uh, episode. Oh well, so I read the first. Yeah. I read the book Dark Dark is Rising last mm-hmm. Christmas. On, on your recommendation, also, my mom loved that series. Yeah. And I just had that moment of, like, remembering, oh, my mom had that series and used to talk about it. And when it's your mom who says, oh, you should read this, then you're just like, yeah, whatever. Right? <laughs> the same with my kids now. Yeah, it's true. Um, so I'll have to read the rest of that. It's, I that's re- it. I think the second book is The Dark is Rising won a Newbery Award. Or maybe it was that's the one I read, which I think is book two. Anyway, so, you know, this, all of this, you know, ties into, I love to see the connections between it. I love to read about the old Celtic, largely, mythology. Um, I just think it's fascinating. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So, I guess the people in town are kind of normal, except for their weird... Well, that's Pagan. The, that's the interesting yeah. thing is there's always that th- there's that sense that that things are off. Yeah, they're not right, you yeah. know, and so they act normal in the sense that they're a small village community. They go to the pub, they drink, they sing, they have a post office, they have a schoolroom, but then the details are like totally yeah. off. And well, wrong. they have that scene like um, in American Werewolf in London. Which uh, I've only seen once, so I, yes. I probably don't know the scene. So there's the scene where the guys come in off the moors and they walk into a pub and everybody goes quiet. There was the same same scene. It's like a it's like a thing the in British outsider horror. Outsider walking into a, a British pub is like yeah. a great trope. <laughs> also, that reminds me of um, what's the Dustin Hoffman British horror movie uh, or psychological thriller? Dustin Straw Hoffman. Dogs. Okay, I've never seen Same Starbucks. sort of time period. Okay. Nerdy American type in a small, terrifying little village. Yeah. <laughs> where everything goes off the rails and becomes scary and abusive and horrible and awful. <laughs> Another good atmosphere movie. But that's a Peckinpah film, I think. So it gets very violent, I think. Yeah, well, I bet. I bet. <laughs> so 
I loved this movie. This is my kind of horror movie, too. I'm glad that we share a taste in that. And it's like the debate that I always have with my teenage daughter about, like, what's more scary. And for her, she's, you know, she's still, she loves horror movies, but she's still so, she hasn't seen that many of them. And for her, like, she, a horror movie to her so far is pretty much like a slasher movie or, you know, that kind of a thing. Well, that the jump scare. I mean, jump she, scare, she, like overt. <laughs> yeah, and and she's and the gore is interesting, yeah. and the serial killer kind of aspect, yeah. and you know, so uh, and, and unfortunately, like the torture, kind of like <laughs> so she so saw you know Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and then we showed her Psycho, yeah, which she, which she really liked, but it's it's still you know it's the beginning of that tradition yeah. a little bit, but I'm always like you know for me what's more scary is atmosphere and yeah. like psychological terror. And like, I'm always trying to t- explain that to her. <laughs> and so we have to like find the right things to show her. Yeah. Um, although even Texas Chainsaw, I think had some of that in addition to being yeah, it a, did. A, well, and yeah, yeah, that one, it's funny how I forget how many films don't hinge on, they have jump scares. They have, violence but they don't have realistic violence and like for me that's the difference between a film that i can watch and a film that i can't watch you know i can't deal with realistic imagery of violence i can deal with cartoonish yeah you know depictions i I can't i i I literally (laughs) will cover my eyes like i just can't deal with squicky gore yeah like much at all like i might yeah. kind of look through blurry fingers but yeah. <laughs> but i just it's not that's totally totally turns me off i resist and hate seeing that kind of movie yeah I, it's usually kicking and screaming that i you know yeah um so for me and the, it's not nece- that's not necessarily scary it's yeah. just gross like yeah. it's just puts images in my head that i don't want yeah and then they come back at, at yeah the, i have to be very careful about the types of things I watch you know so I a lot of times especially with horror films I'll wait a long time before you know and you know sort of gather a critical consensus and like a a person consensus about whether it's something that I can allow myself to watch so I want to see Midsummer again but I'm also kind of kind of don't you know I don't know how to describe because it does have some imagery in it that like you know kind of one-timer imagery You know, because it's yeah. it's not just dread. There's you actually there's some awful stuff that happens, mm. like atrocities. You know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Unlike this movie, it's funny because like if we were to park my 16 year old daughter down to watch The Wicker Man, would she think it's scary at all? I I don't I don't know. I don't even know if although I th- the end is t- is terrifying. You yeah. know, in it not in a. Not in a jump scare way, in a like existential horror. See that pushes kind of my way. buttons all over the place. Yeah, <laughs> I, it's it's much more scary. <laughs> and we started the show with this that that being trapped. Yeah, you know, and not knowing that the trap is closing in around you. And also, then, yeah, <laughs> and then the point of no return. Yeah, yeah, you know where it's happening, and now it's just going to happen. Yeah. 
So I will say that I have also seen the Nicolas Cage remake of this, which actually is set in the United States, which I forgot about. In Is it like in hillbilly country? No, or it's something? like in Pacific Northwest somewhere where there's... Okay. Yeah. So, but that I'm glad one, I saw this one instead. That I one's mean, not as subtle. It is, I mean, it is an amusing performance by Nicolas Cage, but it's not as interesting which, and okay, subtle as this one my, is. Here's my problem <laughs> with the very concept of, of casting Nicolas Cage. Nicolas Cage already is crazy. Yeah. He plays crazy. So isn't it more important to have a straight man? In the, yeah. In, like, why put a crazy person into a crazy situation? Yeah. I don't even understand why you would cast Nicolas Cage in that. No. Well, I, don't, I can't even imagine I think it's, what... it's better to have an every man that has a point of view that people understand. You know, and, and for, you know, the audience that this movie was made for, which is largely those that were raised in a Christian tradition, the... Like, I think more of the original British audience would yeah. probably identify with Yeah, that. they would feel really unmoored by the fact that they don't have a priest. Like, even if you're not religious. Or which, imagine how yeah. shocking the schoolroom scene would be yeah. where he goes in and they're like writing it on the chalkboard and talking about rituals of the penis and yeah. stuff like that. <laughs> you don't say those words in front of children. Yeah, then. he's going to have her tried for obscenity. That's right. Like, he's like, I'm going to bring you in. So we don't, in, in our day and age, like, we're not shocked yeah. <laughs> like, that's not a big deal. So it's funny because he's kind of a prude. Yeah. He's very much a prude. And interestingly, in reading about the, I don't know if you read it all about the, like, 18,000 different versions, cuts yeah. of this movie, and how the original negative is gone forever, possibly, and, it, and the, the cut was, you know, whatever, 10, 15 minutes longer, and now we can only see, what, you know, they don't even have, they can't even really reconstruct it. Yeah. Um, but I, it sounded like some of the missing footage that some of which they've restored is from is from prologue like pre-arrival to the island with well him. and interviews subsequent interviews with the director said that he probably would have cut that anyway because it was it wasn't necessary to have to figure out how the policeman got there sure but the, and, yeah but they also set up a little bit about like there was a scene with his fiance okay I think, and i may be wrong audience if you're like a wicker man uh, expert <laughs> um and i think there was something about him a scene with him with other with a prostitute or confront or arrest. I mean, so there's some, there's some other stuff that's supposed to set up his character and perspective as a policeman and as a Christian policeman in, in the world before getting him to the Island. I think it totally works for him for, you know, opening credits. He's flying into the Island. He arrives. And how soon do we know that it's off when he arrives? And like, he asks them to the Harbor master to send the dinghy over and they just are all and standing like, there. No. <laughs> you can't come here. <laughs> you don't have permission to land. You know, the other thing that I think is really interesting is the whole backstory with Lord Summerisle and his, like... So these these traditions are not, like, as you would think, like, thousands of years old that these people on this island have been doing these... No, like, they were introduced in the... 1880s 18, or 1860s something. 1860s yeah. by, you know, Lord Summerisle's great-grandfather or something like that who came and bought the island and started growing crops for money and you know you know it's it almost seems like and i read about this in the sight and sound um article about it but you know it almost seems like you know he's just using this set of traditions as a way to sort of control the people of the island and have him do have them do what he wants well i got that impression too for the origins of this but that i don't know yeah. I think even Lord's, the current Lord Summerisle is all in on it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I don't think it's just a way to control everybody. <laughs> One of my favorite, like, visuals <clears throat> of, 
of the movie is um, they're doing the at the near the end they're doing the big mayday pagan ritual that they've mm-hmm. warned the they've warned him not to be around for for their um, and. And uh, Lord Summerall is playing the role of the... It's like the lady man or something like that is the role. But anyway, a, a yeah. gender-fluid character in this ritual. In the Maypole ritual. So he's he's wearing a dress and then... He, but he's also got on his um, wool jacket. Mm-hmm. Like his, oh, right. <laughs> his tweed jacket yeah. and a bright yellow um, uh, yeah. turtleneck. Yeah. And then he's got like Converse on or something oh, like that. They're sneakers. Just like canvas sneakers. And he's like... Do- and Christopher Lee is doing this like fantastic dance. It's just so expressive. And he's like really into it. And it's... Um, it's it's really quite visually interesting after he's, you know, we've seen him in his British manor house, you know, being all proper and playing the piano. and. Okay, you know one <laughs> thing that got me is, you know, the ritual of the maypole where yeah. they crisscross the swords to mm-hmm. make the pentagon? Yeah. Holy shit, that scared the crap out of me yeah. because they have all the, the whatever, the five or six guys holding the and swords. And everybody has to stick everybody their heads sti- in. Yeah, and... A few people did that before I realized yeah. that what was actually happening, where at some point they're going to like, Whoosh! yeah, <laughs> that was scary. That got me. It was scary. Well, and you didn't know it was going to be scary until he's like, everybody has to do it. It's a game of yeah. chance. I, you know? I, I thought they were just like ritually holding the th- I didn't yeah. think there was any threat <laughs> that they were going to suddenly slash together at, yeah. at a particular moment. Well, and they did, but it ended up being on a. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Hand wavy them to okay. uh, avoid will, some. Spo- you gotta <laughs> I don't leave. know that, that that one's split. No, I but I mean it's like little things sometimes, yeah. and that's, that's so close to the end. Okay, yeah. <laughs> um, so what did you think of their the version of the pagan rites and rituals? Do you think they did a good job at at uh, creating some kind of culture? Yeah, like at least in terms of making a a film that's eerie well i just it's funny they had the like the first time you notice it is they bring the little dinghy out to um pick oh, the up the eye that's painted there's on an the... eye painted on the dinghy yeah they linger it's on that a couple of, of times there's a cut yeah but then like there's just these faces like you know like this the flag of the sun god has like a sun with a face and the, of course, the Green Man Tavern has the scary oh, face. Another good one. So that's a little bit of a slow burn as you start to see these things, yeah. right? Like you're not instantly given crazy, yeah. like from the moment he arrives. You're given off and unsettling, <laughs> and things are a little. So one of my favorite ones was the candy store. Oh yeah, this, where you're like, this the is terrifying. the most terrifying candy I've ever seen. There's like those weird cakes with yeah. those people cakes. Yeah, like, people cakes, and then with the, like really scary haunted eyes, and, and then the the hairs. They're not rabbits. They're hairs yes you um, get corrected on that uh they have red eyes i got corrected they're, on that they're scary um terrifying um <laughs> so you've got this weird cult that it's a fertility sort mm. of thing was mayday that's one of the main fer- things fertility, right yeah but okay so it's funny because it's a little weird yeah and then you get to the night where he ha- he he has to that first night he's there he has yeah. to spend the night because he's still investigating he hasn't really found anything out it's too late to go back and he hasn't really figured anything out yet so he has to book a room at the Green Man Tavern so 
So that's actually, you get your first musical scene, yeah. right? Is where they sing that strange, like, off-color song about the landlord's daughter. Who's standing right there. Who's standing right there and is supposed to show him to his room. Yeah. <laughs> but then, this was a weird moment for me, was he, like, has to step outside for a moment. He goes for, like, a walk He goes or for a walk and sees, like, some kind of weird orgy going on. Yeah, there's, in, like, in a, the, the kids so, are having an orgy But the way that's cut them. and edited and yeah. shown, totally out of context with him just walking out of that bar, like when I watched it, it made me feel like, is that, is he really seeing that? Or is that like a vision? Is it a flash forward? Is he high? Did they spike his drink? Is this like, it just had that kind of surreal 60s, 70s editing. I think it's like, he doesn't understand what he's seeing. Like it's too weird for him to understand what he was seeing. Well, and then later on when he goes to bed. Well, because when he goes back into the tavern, he's not really reacting that. He's just like, oh, I've got to go to bed now or whatever. Yeah. Like, (laughs) so I was like, did he just see that? Or did, (laughs) was that real? Is that like a thematic kind of image? Well, I mean, he kind of storms his way up to the landlord and is like, I need to go now. Where is it? You know. <laughs> so talk to me about the bonkers uh, landlord's daughter dancing naked. So yeah, that's weird. She does some sort of weird, like, it's like she's trying to seduce him through the wall. That is just it's full on weird. nuts. That's one and of the strangest things like, I've ever seen. He's like seduced by it through the wall. And yeah, like, picture he keeps like, like uh, Ulysses guys with the sirens or something. Mm. She's like sing. Like, I guess she's actually singing. Like, at yeah. that point, I'm still like, are we watching a musical? <laughs> is this really happening? Is this naturalistic? I don't think there's anything that's natural. I don't know. I, I don't, I still don't know what to make of, <laughs> like, a lot of the other musical interludes are, ha- are, seem to be justified by the, the scene in the film. Yeah. Like, if, sure, if there's a circle of naked girls outside in the churchyard, doing fertility rites or something they might be singing like a traditional weird fertility pagan song that's fine but the landlord's daughter (laughs) Britt Eklund the Swedish model actress whatever she was uh like writhing against the walls and pound there's the pounding yeah the rhythmic pounding yeah pounding her fist against the walls yeah and then him like trying to go to sleep just in his regular like full-on pajamas but like feeling all hot and bothered and stirred and like really in torment. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Like you've got this kind of, I mean, he's not supposed to be Catholic, but you've got this like real. They say Calvinist is what I heard. Yeah. You know, so really conservative. uh, I mean, he's like, he's like petting the walls and like about to, (laughs) like trying to figure, is he going to open the the door? door, Like, and like shivering, like shuddering. (laughs) So, that was so weird. It was weird. And yet, <laughs> so hypnotic. Like, I just really love how bonkers... I keep saying that word. I just like how nuts this movie is. Well, the other thing that's funny, and it was pointed out in the article that I read, is like that sort of like thread of modernity. modernity. So it's like, she's like doing some sort of weird pagan seduction dance. And like on the wall is like a 60s or 70s like psychedelic neon velvet painting sort of poster on the wall you know so it's just kind That's of like old and this new. is a yeah modernness mixed with this weird um <laughs> but it's funny it reminds me of a lot of films that i like from the time i mean it reminds me in a way of harold and Maude. 
Um, Interesting. Yeah. Go with that for a second. Well, you know, some of the... I mean, uh, it's literally, like, filmed around the same year or something. Yeah, it is. But something about, like, the house, like, that that Harold lives in, and then the sort of, like, weird obsession with death and and rebirth and and all I don't know it's 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 interesting there's there was another thing that it reminded me of too. oh it reminded me of that uh, movie we watched um another one for the podcast the one with um uh the one about the oil guy who ends up in oh local hero well that's the a, local that, hero. <laughs> that's another remote scottish village well and then it reminded me of the prisoner too which you know the sort of bright colors and you know, you know, we could just a the, weird. We could make the most insane display at a video store. Yeah. If you liked <laughs> the Wicker Man, you would also like the Prisoner, the local prison, hero, local hero. <laughs> don't look. Don't, now. don't look now. Actually, I'm all over that double feature idea. That yeah. sounds perfect. Like, it does. I would go see the double. Uh, don't look now and uh, the Wicker Man. Yeah, it was the B movie for Don't Look Now when it was released in the UK, which is interesting to me because like. I don't know. I like, I mean, I like the ending of Wicker Man better than I like the ending of Don't Look Now. I think that that the Wicker Man delivered on its promises a lot better than uh, Don't Look Now did. Although I really like Don't Look Now, but, you know. <laughs> I'm still, like, really grappling, well, not grappling with it. I'm just, I find it really interesting, this this idea that... Um, He's more outraged more of the time, most of the time that unless he is genuine, I mean, maybe he is genuinely shocked to the core, but that's the way it manifests for him as Mm -hmm. a figure of authority and a policeman that it's going to come out in that kind of outrage. But, you know, the Rowan Morrison thing, whether it's a red herring or not, I mean, we have some resolution to that, but... That like he's to the very end is trying to solve the mystery of Rowan Morrison. That's his yeah. problem, and until he figures that out, he's like a you've wound him up like an Energizer bunny, yeah. and he has to, he's he's trying to figure solve that problem the whole time. But like I'm more scared than he is. I think. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's interesting because it plays on on you know our society's like obsession with youth, you know, and that to like. It's funny that it's still such a, like, oh, let's protect the children, even if the child is just a concept. It's not a, I, I mean, it's it's not a real thing in this pa- case. Yeah. Like, he's never seen this child. All he has is a photo and an anonymous letter that says, so, you know, who knows? And then at first, like, they're like, there's no such child here. No, like, how you, do you even know that it ever existed? And you ever have a schoolroom full of innocent children. But it's like, such a powerful driver, this idea of saving youth, you know. It's, well, like, I mean, it's, 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 it's embedded mean, thought, in I've, humanity, I guess, I or thought society. This, like, this, from, the, from the very beginning, I assumed that this was somebody who was sacrificed, yeah. you know. <laughs> you know, and that it's being covered up. Yeah. And so it's funny because you, your brain from other movies yeah. is trying to like give it that, a sort of normal detective story yeah. explanation for everything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I think it does, it does well with that too. Yeah. <laughs> well, then, it's just, it's, I mean, I think that there are stories that are so powerful in our society I mean, like, this is like Joseph Campbell kind of stuff, I guess, you know, sort of like 
that there's this embedded, you know, I don't know. I guess we think of them as values, but they're like stories we tell ourselves about, you know, about on the Titanic that women and children got off first, which is sort of true, but not really true, you know. Makes us feel a little bit better <laughs> It does about make it. us feel, but those, those, I mean, I remember that from when we discussed the Titanic, because it's like something that they wanted to, a point, but like if you do more research into it, that's not actually the case of how it worked out at all, you know rich women and children got off first <laughs> but you know it it's interesting you know what other movie this reminds me reminds me of in a weird way is um that strange check check film we saw valerie and her oh week yeah of wonders. That's, i thought about that while we were watching it too what was that called again? valerie and her week of wonders yeah it's a czech new wave film from the 60s and i can't remember the name and of the director her, like I don't... stepmom's a vampire or something like that or well it's all a dream but is, or is it? Or is it? Yeah. <laughs> but that, to me, also had that feeling of just insane, vivid imagery. Yeah, yeah. But it's it's around the same, generally around the, within a five-year period, filmed around the same time. So it's also that kind of like... <laughs> it's, it also has It's that... filmed on 35 millimeter, but there's something about the way movies were shot then. <laughs> I don't know. There, there's a grain, but there's a vivid color to it or something. There's a pacing to it that, that like... The, and the blues and, and greens are different too. And well, that the Valerie and it's warmer. Much the Valerie warmer. film, which I highly yeah. recommend yeah. to see, like just to see. Yeah, it's so surreal. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just so vivid and surreal. Well, and there's a lot of that folk imagery as well. You know, the traditional. You know. Yeah. You know, and it's 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 interesting to me because that one was it. Where was that one? It was set in Czech. Yeah, in, in Czechoslovakia. So that one would have a lot of the sort of oh that had some of the Catholic weird... and and Orthodox sort of imagery in it, but it had some of the sort of sexual fertility kind yeah. of imagery too. Yeah, because you've got this young girl like sort of at adolescence and like seeing the world around her and, and like her sexuality awakening and stuff like that. But there's also some weird not orgy scenes, but kind of you know bathing yeah. women singing and yeah, like, I, don't, I don't even remember. <laughs> And as you said, I'm not comfortable with the family relationships in this film. Yeah, <laughs> I wasn't. I don't like the way they kiss each other. Yeah, <laughs> it was a little weird. It was a little vampire too. Was that one way. on the Criterion? Is it's that on, Criterion it on Criterion channel. I don't think it, yeah. it was on for a while. I don't know if it still is. It's on Criterion Disc. It's mm-hmm. part of the Criterion Collection. It's def- I, you know, I had never heard of that movie before. And I stumbled on it on uh, the Instagram feed of that uh, that uh, Torres, that singer yeah. we like. Uh, yeah. Band. I mean, her name isn't Torres, but that's the name of the band. Mm. Um, yeah, she was. She spent the beginning of lockdown uh, watching lots of weird Criterion movies, and she would post them. I was like, "What is this? This looks so weird. I want to see this." I wonder what about that time period the sort of the late 60s through mid 70s where there was seemingly a lot of stuff which was looking at i mean essentially they're examining religion from different or folk traditions or i don't know it just it's just i wonder why i mean like there's a connection with the sort of counterculture i suppose well I think so. yeah, yeah, I think you have it. I think it's counterculture, but it's also manifesting in film and art and yeah. um 
and all of those new wave film traditions are, are and all the new wave movements mm-hmm. are happening around the same time you know where we're like we don't have to make traditional like stiff movies you know we, <laughs> like we can completely throw away boundaries and rules and and we don't have to explain every image and we can yeah. edit in new ways we can have jump cuts we can you know we can depict uh some i mean not 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 all that much of it but you know i think we're talking particularly about some of the films that embrace um surrealism again yeah like, so like valerie and her week of wonders and even don't look now a little bit and and some of the just insane mayday kind of stuff here some of it goes all the way back to like Bunuel and Dali but mm. like you've had in between that all of classical cinema yeah you know <laughs> and then you get back to a point of like throwing like breaking everything yeah it's so interesting er, late 60s early 70s across the world is some of my favorite stuff yeah. It's interesting because we just, we watched some films from the Austin Film Festival um, over the weekend. And I guess other than the, the weird train one, there wasn't really much of the sort of fantastical sort of thing. Well, there was a category that we didn't yeah. really get a chance to deal with mm. called Dark Matters or something like that. Okay. So, by the way, guys, doing a, this I thought they did a fantastic <laughs> job of putting a, a film festival in a virtual environment. Yeah. We did, uh, we got a badge for the Austin Film Festival. Whole thing was virtual this year. Um, we had panels with the screenwriters. We saw six or seven movies, yeah. at least. I think we still have access. Um, but yeah, I mean, we didn't s- see anything quite like that. I think the that uh the polish movie time for love yeah which, which i loved yeah um was the closest thing to i was trying out to of think the ordinary. of movies that i've seen more recently that have that i mean you say midsummer that has that sort of thing we saw the witch one weekend that was kind of or, or just is it just called witch I can't, no it's the witch the I witch think. um which had a little bit of that um I'm trying to yeah. think if there's anything. And then the Yorgos Lathamos stuff is kind of that in a way. Yeah. Some of them. Well, I haven't <laughs> seen very many. I haven't yeah. seen his Greek films, really. But, you know, The Lobster is so unsettling. Yes. <laughs> and I do want to see it again, but I have yeah. only seen it once. And um, holy crap, I just remember the way it ends. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, that's a great film. Yeah, that's that's. There's not a lot of. I don't know. I mean, I'm. I think people are doing it, but we're not. We're not encountering it often yeah. enough. Also, I'm sure there are some interest, some weird things going on in Asian cinemas. Uh, yeah, Korean, Japanese, and. Well, you know, Parasite has a little, little, little bit of that. You know, the sort of. Parasite, Bong Joon Ho. Yeah, there's a lot of the. Um, It's not a, it's like, it's unpredictable. It's yeah. not, it doesn't fit into a particular genre. You mm-hmm. don't know what the conventions are. That's what I loved about that movie is going into the movie, seeing the problem as set out in the first 10 or 15 minutes, like, and then comparing that to what you come out from at the end. Yeah. 
you have no idea all the places that's going to go. Mm-hmm. It's absolutely like, I don't know. He's a force of nature. I mean, it just explodes. I yeah. mean, it just, I don't even know how to describe <laughs> it. Like you're telling it's, you can't even liken that movie to anything else. Like it's just its own mm-hmm. entity. And I think that, I think I've mentioned this on the show before, but there's that film critic, Manny Farber, who had this, who has a famous essay about white elephant films versus termite movies. And the white elephant film would be that sort of big Hollywood Mm -hmm. guess who's coming to dinner, kind of like everything's out and it's very straight. It's very, and then, but then there's something about the sheer mad energy of like, a film just burrowing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> in on itself. And that's that's yeah. what you get with a lot of those, this this 70s time period, yeah. that early 70s, like 73, 74, and the late 60s, and the new wave movements, and the surrealism do that. But I think Bong Joon-ho, I would say that's a termite film. <laughs> well, it's, it's interesting because, like, if you had asked, I mean, like, if you asked me, do you like movies from the 70s? Like, I would probably say, like, unless we're talking about these films, like, in general, I'm not really into the sort of, like, overtly masculine... So, I was going to say, so you're not... No, gang, Godfather, <laughs> yeah, Mean and, Streets, Taxi you know, Driver... Yeah, yeah. Two of those were Scorsese. Well, yeah. I mean, but that's... But how, what about... But, but then, then again, have you seen many of the, like, paranoid political things? Uh, because some of those are, I think, you would like. And well, not, I saw Dead Zone, but that's what, 80s? That's 80 or 82? Yeah. David Cronenberg, based on the Stephen King? Yeah, yeah. But I'm talking about, like, have you seen things like The Parallax View? No. With Warren Beatty or um, Three Days of the Condor? Um, you know, that kind of, like, ner- nervous, paranoid... No. I, I saw Bonnie and Clyde, that's... That's, well, I, I that's love a Bonnie good one. And Clyde. Bonnie and Clyde's wonderful. So the Warren so. Beatty ones are pretty yeah. good because he's in the parallax view, which is a great poli- like. But, so that's when they started making more yeah. of the like. You know, you're getting into Nixon era, yeah. so you're getting into like everything's a conspiracy. You've already mm-hmm. had the JFK assassination a few years earlier, yeah. and you have this sense that things are not the way we thought they were. The world's not good. There's something else going on, and you have like somebody like. So you're saying next decade's of- going to be really interesting for film. <laughs> I hope. <laughs> well, I'll tell you one thing. I'm not looking forward to eighteen thousand movies about uh, the pandemic. Oh yeah, that's not going to be fun. Romantic, pandemic romantic comedy. Yeah. Well, I, I know it's already made its way into literature because um, one of our good friends who we follow on Instagram who reads a lot has read several pandemic-based but books already. What I do want to <laughs> see are the films that manifest the psychology of this, yeah. but just do it as a metaphor or, yeah. or take it somewhere else. Like, So you're not literally doing a film about lockdown, yeah. but you can take the emotions that this brings up and the feeling of what it's like to live in this world. Yeah, But, you know do that in a different way. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a literal pandemic movie. But uh, so I think that we will see this is interesting to predict yeah. these things. I think we're yeah. going to see a, a new kind of horror film come out of Yeah. probably a new kind of romantic comedy too. Yeah. Well, I'll always Although they to are that. not usually known for being subtle, so Well, I th- I think that we've and every now and again we get a good romantic comedy. They've been 
they they were interesting three or four years ago. So we'll see if there's some more. Oh yeah, I mean it's not yeah. a, it's not a genre to completely write off, no. but it takes a lot of rehashing the same ground, like making like carbon copy well, movies one, until you get to something yeah, that, that feels different. Yeah, that one's particularly like they're like, oh, so, here's a formula that works. Let's do that. And the forever. big sick, <laughs> yeah, was not something that yeah. I'd ever seen yeah. quite done before. Yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> That one just popped up my head from the last couple of years. Uh, obvious Child, too. It's all similarly. Never. Wait, have you didn't I seen see that? Obvious Child? Oh, no, Jenny I've seen Slate? that. It's a Jenny yeah. Slate. Yeah. 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 No, I, saw I mean, that. We're, we're far afield from uh, folk uh, pagan, <laughs> the Wicker Man, but. Well, I mean, I wonder, like, a lot of people responded to Midsummer. Are there going to be Midsummer carbon copies? You know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, one thing that I'm excited to see, which I think is, it's either by the guy who did Midsummer or the guy who did Witch. I'm not sure which. Um, but there's a movie called The Green Knight, which is based on, um, you know, or Sir Gowan and The Green Knight. And it looks like scary, but also... Has it come out already? Because I'm not It was aware supposed it. to come out in the spring, and then the pandemic happened. So I don't know when it's coming out. It was... One of those from that production company that I can't think of the name of. That's so A twenty four films. It was mm-hmm. it was their big, uh, big spring release was supposed to be, um, and the trailer looks fascinating. And I'm you know all about Arthurian stuff, so it it like I was excited about that. Um, yeah. So hopefully we'll get to see that soon. Sort of hopefully in a similar vein, you know, scary and 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 immersed in folklore it'll be good hopefully (laughs) for sure so what else about the wicker man i close your eyes what do you what images do you see do you have them yes snapshots from the movie because that's that's one of the ways i know that i'm gonna remember something yeah is like when i think wicker man i see all of these specific scenes and images yeah name one that comes to you well, I love this scene where he's like, he's riding on a buggy to the to Lord Summerisle, and then you see a circle of like Stonehenge type stones, mm-hmm. and there's just some naked girls that are jumping over fire, like, oh, right. like you know, and he's like, what is well, going on? And then when he's just <laughs> he's he meets Lord Summerisle for the first time, and like he's standing by the window, and they look out. And you have this illusion <laughs> that you're back in sort of a normal yeah. world of like gentlemanly converse, yeah. you know, conversation introductions and stuff like that. But out the window, you can see in the distance the naked fire jumping ritual. Yeah. It's a weird, yeah, contrast well, <laughs> juxtaposition. And, and and when he asks about it, he's like, "Oh yeah, they're hoping to be impregnated by the fire." <laughs> Duh. Wouldn't you rather be impregnated by the fire god than by yeah. some guy in the village? You know. <laughs> God, I, I could, I, I, I started to get fascinated reading about the different versions of this yeah. movie, and like I, I could go down that rabbit hole. Now I'm like, now I want to see the director's cut so or the final. It's cut. interesting. It, the reason it seemed to have gotten buried because there was some internal conflict with the company that it it was British Lion, I think, was yeah, the company that British really, Lion was the production that company. made it. Um, but they got sold to EMI mm-hmm. somewhere during that, and like. Someone during that transaction didn't like um, either the screenwriter or the director. I can't remember which. And so, like, they essentially buried it. Or maybe they didn't like the producer. Anyway, they they sort of buried it. Um, 
But the director went over to the United States and went on sort of a promotional tour there and like was, it actually oddly was really accepted by the very conservative Christian thing because they, I mean, they saw it in a different light than I saw it in, but like they felt it was like, Condemnation of Condemnation weird of, Yeah, which I don't. I didn't get that sense. No, but <laughs> I, to me it feels more like let's use this in like it's an exploitation movie. No, yeah. I mean it's not quite an exploitation movie, but some of the weird yeah. nudity and stuff like that definitely feels like hey, we can get away with showing this, and yeah. it's titillating for the audience. <laughs> hmm. Well, I mean, I think that just has to do with the fact that it's. I mean. Britain is like Europe, Europe light, but they still are a little more free with oh, that yeah. sort of thing yeah. than we are in our uptight, you know, United Statesness. It's true. Puritanism that uh, we are Sergeant Howie or whatever. <laughs> I, I, I just, I'm seeing this image of. Um, Edward Woodward dressed up as Punch in the yeah. May Day ritual, like those scare- terrifying. Oh, that mask is scary. <laughs> when he's trying to get away on his hydroplane, yeah. and the people pop up oh, along yeah, the wall, really all wearing the animal masks. Mm-hmm. That's fucking like shining, kind of scary yeah. to me. Even though it's like broad daylight on an overcast day, it's in the distance. They pop up, but they have those really crude sort of animal masks on. Yeah. That's scary. That was scary. Well, to that's me. and that's the first whisper that that the danger is to him and not to this imaginary girl child. You well, know? so much of the movie they're like gaslighting him, <laughs> yeah, and then like it starts to become like no, now they're going to now they're going to show him what's going on. Yeah, and that's that's a moment where things uh, the stakes, yeah, yeah, get raised. <laughs> Because they're not hiding it anymore. And when yeah. you realize that they don't feel like they have to hide it anymore, you're like, yeah. here we go. Yeah. Now, now, <laughs> now he's in trouble. So, yeah, what a wonderful movie. Yeah. It's good, good stuff. Good choice. Thank you. <laughs> Definitely my kind of horror movie. I want to see more from that time era. Yeah. Now. I, I don't know if The Omen is as good, but it's another I've one. I've never that's seen The Omen. Same. I mean,. I've never seen The Exorcist. You've never seen The I've Exorcist? Never seen I the didn't Exorcist. know you had seen I told you today. Can we see The Exorcist? I've never seen The Exorcist. Okay. Well, that one... And I know that's from a best-selling book, and it's like The Exorcist. You know, it's a big movie and all that, but... So so that one, I I love... It's, it's an interesting film. It's funny because, like, I have a personal history of this going back to... My, so my mother, you know, she grew up... In the, in this in the time period, she was a young adult during when I don't remember when The Exorcist came out, but she always tells us the story that she was dating a very Catholic guy named Xavier, and they went and saw that film, and immediately afterward, <laughs> I mean, like they're in downtown Dallas or whatever, yeah. seeing this film. Immediately afterward, like he like drove my mom to the Catholic church, and they went to mass like right away. Like he was so. Um, scared by that and so like i thought it would be this big deeply upsetting scary movie you knew that story before you saw it yeah um and to me it just it wasn't it wasn't scary and i I, you know i you hear the stories about people when it first came out and they had similar reactions like for but for me i wasn't raised 
in a, you know, we're Christian tradition, but we didn't, we weren't, we didn't go to church or, you know, so to me, like, the devil was not like a real thing. Right. <laughs> so like, if, if, if you don't have that foundation of feeling like that evil can be manifest in the world, then it's not as scary a thing as if you have that tradition of where the devil is an actual presence that can of the, the it's the manifestation of evil that can you know impact the world in a real way um so i mean like it's funny just how the different in your brain develops differently i think if you're raised in with those concepts you know like i had a friend zach who was raised in a pentecostal um which is extremely conservative speaking in tongues sort of mm -hmm. christianity yeah and like, for him, like, the guilt that he would feel about things, even though, like, he had decided that, that a lot of the things he was raised believing didn't, he didn't feel like they were real to him anymore. He still had this very real sense of guilt and, yeah. and shame associated with, with that. Because he that was he wired that yeah. way by growing up yeah. in that tradition. Yeah, so it's, it's interesting. I don't know. <laughs> so uh, but you know talk about blind spots that's yeah. one of the biggest yeah. like blockbuster horror films ever i've never seen it so yeah. we should see that yeah yeah it's 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 really good and i've actually seen the stairs in washington dc we have friends that lived that in georgetown um where the stairs are so outside of washington dc well i think you chose a perfect film for uh, this week of, <laughs> of the year well, thank All you. Hallows Eve and Day of the Dead and <laughs> yeah and um, I I don't know I I'm sorry I squandered my choice on Moonlighting <laughs> which was scary in a different way for you I think but but uh, yeah yeah I didn't have one that I wanted to, I didn't have a scary film yeah. this year that I really wanted to show you so maybe I'll have to yeah I didn't realize you hadn't seen Exorcist yeah. so we'll we'll remedy that cool <laughs> all right well. Thank you for listening to us again. And um, we'll be back in a couple weeks with another show. I hope you enjoy this show being released uh, much sooner than usual. So you guys have some scary movie recommendations to, to check out. Um, tell your friends about the show. Find yeah. us on Facebook, Instagram. Like us on iTunes. Um, a star review or a like helps people find us. And uh, we'll be back with you soon. Bye. Bye. Bye.